Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Here with uh, Brad Askew, we're going to talk about mortality, and we're going to do it in a very positive way because we are still very much alive. We're in our prime, but there are no sure things. 2020 has been a tough year, but thanks, sponsors, for making this uh, podcast possible. Panini, Upper Deck, and Tops, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, they would be happy to help you with your estate planning. Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. That's part of the ebb and flow of the hobby is that advanced collectors in many cases will pass away and their heirs don't always know what to do. Certainly the auction companies, the local card shops, the graders, uh, ComC even, the the hobby ecosystem has a way to uh, deal with it, but it's so much better to be intentional about it. So welcome to the show, Brad Askin. You've been on before. What is your current thinking about this? Because you've had a chance to think about this. You got a great collection. What are you doing? You know, I, I appreciate it again, Jim, the opportunity to be on the show. It's always an honor to be with you and excited to be here again. I have been giving a lot of thought and a lot of, I've been thinking of about it. And because I just, you think about it, I'm 52. I hope I'm going to be here for a long time yet. But then again, I lost my dad at 61. So, you know, that and that he was a smoker and had health issues, et cetera. But still, I hope I'm going to be here 20, 30 more years, but you just don't know. And so I thought about how do I want to handle just like I would from a, life insurance standpoint or everything, how do I want to handle the passing on of my things, so to speak? And my wife and I both have a lot of things. We're collectors of stuff. And it's some of that's good. Some of it maybe not so good from a standpoint of, I know my kids already, I have two kids. I've got a 20-year-old and a 16-year-old. And I know they already think to themselves, looking around our house, what in the world are we going to do with all this stuff when mom and dad aren't here anymore? We're going to inherit a whole bunch of stuff. But it's not only cards and collectibles, but getting back to the cards, I have been intentional about thinking, especially during this time of COVID, not only because of the risk that COVID brings, but more from a standpoint of it's given me more time at home to think about things and to work on my collection. I've been more intentional when you had me on before. I talked about my Eddie Murray collection. I've really cataloged virtually everything in my collection now, so it's easier for me to at least get a grasp of what all I have and pass that on to them in terms of information. Um, Starting to do that more with my vintage collection. You and I talked earlier about I just sent off a lot of vintage cards to be graded. And I did that more not to grade and sell them, even though there may be temptations depending on the kind of grades they get. It's really more about being able to authenticate them and to feel better about my wife or my son or my nephew, whoever may inherit this stuff, to make it easier on them to figure out what these cards are worth. You know, they could go on eBay and look what a PSA 7 Hank Aaron tops Hank Aaron sells for and have an idea of what it is instead of a raw card. So that was part of the thinking. And it's just really about organizing my collection and being more prepared. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's it's music to the ears of the graders. It's really it is. perhaps one of the reasons why the graders have uh, huge backlogs. In, 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 but you mentioned it, that you think you've got 20 or 30 years left or whatever. Everybody thinks they've got 20 years left. <laughs> Whether they're 52 or 62 or 72 or 82. They right. don't want to think that there's a finite number out there. If you think it's at least 20 years, then you think, I don't need to listen to this episode. <laughs> I hope people but, do think that they do need to listen to it. And, but if they listen to it and think, because if you think something's 20 years out, you think, I'll worry about that next decade. But my life expectancy is is, is maybe 20 more years. But I'm trying to, I'm tr- my theorem, because I'm a math guy, is whatever your life expectancy is for additional years, at 52, mm-hmm. you could reasonably expect to live to 85, let's say. Yeah. 90, let's say. Whatever that number is, chop it in half to be conservative, to be prepared and say, okay, if I think I'm going to make it to 90, then I need to really be thinking about what am I going to do 
as soon as I hit 80 or as I approach mm-hmm. 80, as I approach that last season to get in order. You mentioned you did a submission through Joe Davis, one of our uh, mutual favorite friend guys, great guy. So you're in good hands there. Yeah. But that is allowing your collection to be either more liquid or more recognizable, perhaps also more valuable. So, yeah, I totally agree that grading is a step in the right direction. And to wait until, so what I'm doing in keeping with this is I'm grading a wave of cards every six months. Mm-hmm. I'm through, but I'm not going to try to do them all immediately because I, I, I do have a large collection, but I'm going successively through and I'll make a submission every six months. And of course, speech, yes, is my greater choice, but uh, I don't begrudge those who uh, make other good choices as well. So mm-hmm. when I get done, then I think my wife, my heirs will know that uh, I'm generally grading the ones that are gradable. The other thing that I have decided that I wanted to run by you is that I think I've decided that there will be cards, some sentimental cards. I don't know what whether it's 1% of my collection or 5% of my collection that will not be sold until I die. Mm-hmm. Cards that are meaningful to me and right. they can be sold afterwards. My goal is to make that not such a big number or so that it's a closet full, not a room full. Right. These a thousand cards on my wall. If I say, you know what, I want, I don't want to die with my wall. That sounds like the Alamo or something, but I'm going to, but there's certain things I'd like to have until um, I take my last breath. And then and after that, I definitely don't want to be buried with cards. I don't want any cards in my basket <laughs> right? Or my, or my urn. So are you, do you right. have things that you will never sell? And does your wife or your son or heirs, do they understand that, yeah. that these are the more, and they don't even have to be the most valuable. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. But that's something part of my kind of plan is to not only catalog things like I've been doing, Jim, but also to have a discussion with multiple family members there and go through and show them my collection. They've seen some of it on the surface, but they haven't really gone deep into my several hundred vintage cards that I have, including those admitted. They haven't looked, believe me, they haven't begun to look at the Murray collection that I have, which is huge from that standpoint. Some of your other super collectors that have been on before have talked about. And with, unless it's somebody who is into Eddie Murray or into Jose Canseco, as I think Tanner, some of the others, you're going to lose people quickly when they start looking at hundreds and hundreds of the same player. You know, I mean, I think it's easier for, in my collection, for people to find items to, quote, fall in love with. They're, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's neat. Magic Johnson autographed Olympic jersey I'm hanging on the wall or a Joe DiMaggio baseball or a Ted Williams autographed cap, things like that. Those are things that are, you know, pretty cool. Card number 1,422 of Eddie Murray, you know, that may not, you know, excite them quite as much. There would be items that I probably would keep, and, and it, there will be an interesting discussion because in time frame, I've come, I've met a lot of Murray collectors, as we talked about before. They're all friends, a lot of friends of mine who I bought from, et cetera. A lot of them have gotten to the point in their lives where they're like, it's time to move on, it's time to sell stuff off. And that's where I've acquired stuff. And I don't know, Jim, if I'll get to that point, like you said, when I'm 70 or when I'm 65 or when I'm whatever, I'm like, okay, it's time to start purging. I may get to that point. And I am at a point where I've heard you say many a time, I want less cards. I want to have less cards next year. Keep the quality of my collection and the intention and the what I'm looking to do with my collection rather than just having a whole lot of things. I've got a lot of things in my collection that I can certainly part with and get rid of and focus more, is the way to put it, on Murray and on Vintage and memorabilia, which is really the main three categories I have. That, that in itself is a step in the right direction. Basically, it's not just I need to have less quantity. 
I need to have, it needs to be more easily digestible or understood, less complications. And so uh, yes. in, uh, in retail, they have uh, SKUs, uh, stock keeping units. Mm-hmm. Basically, what are the parcels or boxes or individual themes or cards that you have? Because that's how a, a collection might be parsed or broken up. And right. so obviously, if you've got a, an autograph ball of a Hall of Famer, that might be sold separately or a jersey right. or something like that, but cards. So here's my question to you. How many boxes right. of cards do you have that are unmarked, either internally or externally? By externally, on the outside of the box, it says these are Eddie Murray cards in there or something. Right. And on the inside, maybe it doesn't say that on the outside, but once you open it up, there's information in the box that says, hey, this is a box of really good Eddie Murray cards. So internally yeah. or externally, do you have any boxes that people would be able to figure out? Or is it yeah. just, if you just have a box of cards, people may just think, hey, it's just a box of cards. Agreed. Yeah, I think I have things fairly well organized. I don't have a lot of boxes labeled because I know where they are and what they are. I've got... Ah, but, keep, you're, but you're gone. <laughs> I, I understand that. You're right. Uh, an example would be, Jim, in my closet. I've got three notebooks of Eddie Murray cards and binders and then 19 vault boxes. They're all in chronological order. They're all put together. Then I've got a few vault boxes of vintage cards. I've got memorabilia basically hanging in on display around my room. They're not necessarily labeled, but it's pretty obvious what they what are. They are. Agreed. But, but you realize I mean, a lot of the junk that I have is in the basement with monster boxes and it's just stuff that needs to be largely gotten rid of over time. And what, but my expectation would be that when you've described that, and I have some things like that too, is right. that the way you collected it and the way that you've assembled it is probably the way it's going to be sold. Possibly, yeah. I think my intention is to continue to catalog as much as I have that I can to make it have pricing either on the back of organizer or in spreadsheets you know, where it's appropriate so that people can see all that. I also want to, as I said, have a meeting with my family and show them this stuff in more detail as much as they're willing to look at. And then the third thing would be, I want to put together a primer, so to speak, a document that says, this is descriptions of what I have. But even if they show that great interest, I'm going to be able to pass on to them, Jim, all the information that I have in terms of whatever. They're not going to understand and know what a parallel is of a Murray card versus a base versus a auto versus a game use versus this. So I want to lay out a lot of that in terms of general categories, approximate worth, also show them key cards that really mean a lot to me, like you said, getting back to the sentimental, that kind of thing. Because my hope is that when I'm gone, they look around this room of memorabilia and boxes of cards and decide, hey, yeah, these are some that I really like and I want to keep to remember Uncle Brad or to keep remember my dad versus selling it all off. And I also do want to be conscious of giving them more information about simple things like my eBay and Beckett logins, but also people to contact if and when I'm gone. I'd go tomorrow they need to contact people like you and Joe Davis and other dealers or collectors that I know to help figure out what to do with a lot of this stuff. Because I don't expect them to keep all of it. I do hope they'll keep certain items. I, I can't imagine that anybody that comes in there, now I'm not talking about me giving advice or Joe, who I think is a obviously a right. straight shooter, but the first advice that anybody that wants to help your heirs sell the collection mm-hmm. is to just let us take care of it. It's not, yeah. hey, go through and pull out the best stuff. That would be anathema to them. They, they right. don't to do that. They're going to say, "Look, you need the best memory for for Uncle Brad or your dad is going to right. be. Uh, let's maximize the value of this collection. Keep it right. intact so somebody can buy the the Brad Askew Eddie Murray collection." Or right. so I'm just right. thinking. That's the seller. The the psychology of the auctioneers is not. Well, hey, pull out a few things to, right. because then they get to take your spreadsheet. 
which mm-hmm. really now has value because I think I've discussed bidding on Huggins and Scott lots. Right. I hope I haven't competed with you. I, I'm <laughs> stay away from Eddie Murray from now on. But some of the lots that the, the Huggins and Scott have, they'll have a detailed, not, not okay. necessarily, it could be a spreadsheet or a word processing file, will list all the different cards that are there. And that should right. generate higher bids because right. you say, okay, I know exactly what's in that. I right. Can I give disclosure? I don't usually bid on those. You won't be bidding against me. Usually right. when it's all detailed like that increases the bidding. Yeah, it I agree. Makes, makes the thing go higher. Yeah, okay. I think so, you like but, the general but, lots. The so I want something that's not well described so I can have fun being surprised what's in it. Okay, but for you, if you're a consigner or your heirs are putting it in there, your spreadsheet will be golden. True. And not golden auctions, but that's also a choice. But yeah, <laughs> you, you, that really is helpful that this is what, and it shows that this was uh, lovingly assembled by a, a serious collector. And uh, yeah. Agreed. I think it's a matter of bouncing between what's the value and, and also just what are they going to enjoy and what do they want to keep long-term as well. Do you have anything that has price stickers on it? Do you have a penny sleeve that has the, some of the cards I have? Uh, maybe I put it on there or maybe it came when I acquired it. That it's right. a $5 card or a $50 card or a $500 card, but it's got a price sticker or a post-it on it. I don't do, do a lot that? of that. If so, are yeah. they current? Because if you, yeah. I have some things that I paid a dollar for that are worth a hundred bucks and that's been 50 right. years, but still. Right. Yeah, that's the issue too, is there's with the explosion in the hobby, keeping track of prices, that's not easy even if you wanted to. But yeah, that's why, and I know it's a matter of keeping track, especially with the vintage and when I get the stuff graded, yeah, I want to go. I'm going to go through and try to take the time to say, okay, look at sales prices for this particular card. Put that in a spreadsheet. This is the approximate value. And that's today, as in 2020 or probably 2021, when I get those cards back, as you said, with the delay in grading right now. And that's going to be the idea is to at least be able to show them, here's what the approximate value of this card is. And yeah, over time, 20 years from now, that number won't make sense either. But at least it's an, an attempt to show what these things are worth and everything. But it is a daunting task to go through. Brad Eskew, thanks, uh, listeners. I'll be back again tomorrow with another episode that uh, will not deal with dying. It will deal with living and enjoying your collection. So thanks, Brad. Thanks, listeners. Be back tomorrow.